The Gospel according to St John, chapter 15, beginning at the ninth verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I have appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last so that the father will give you whatever you ask him in my name i'm giving you these commandments so that you may love one another this is the gospel of the lord praise to you lord jesus christ may the words that i share be in the name of god father son and holy spirit amen this is a somewhat interesting uh, gospel for the feast day of St. Matthias for many, many different reasons. Normally what you would try and have on the feast day of a, an apostle particularly um, is that you would have a gospel passage that included something about that particular apostle. But there's nothing in the gospels about St. Matthias. You get a little bit, a snippet in Acts and then nothing crickets. So we know uh, from the little snippet in Acts a couple of things about Matthias and that is that he was with Jesus from his baptism through to his ascension. So again many have speculated that he may have been uh, part of the group of 70 or 72, depends which translation you read, who went out but all the group uh, who gathered around Jesus, who journeyed with him, who weren't just uh, the apostles. And we um, also know that he got his place, which was vacated by Judas, um, by casting lots. And he was the lucky winner. It came down to a choice of two, and uh, he was chosen. Which, uh, again, I know uh, it has... Uh, pondered many a, um, a Christian over the years as to is this actually a right form of choosing people by just picking something at random? Um, certainly uh, from what I have read, it was a part of um, a regular uh, custom at least of trying to discern God's will uh, was to picking names out of a hat. Um, but uh, whether that uh, is an actual sign of God's direct intervention or just pure chance, we won't know. 
Um, but uh, that's really all we know about St. Matthias. He's not mentioned in any other part of the epistles. Um, he's also not very well known in terms of the work of the early church. And some might consider this is the reason why he's often confused or associated with different people, uh, with Nathaniel, uh, even Zacchaeus. Although the Zacchaeus one doesn't really make much sense to me if he was there from the beginning. Zacchaeus sort of seems to appear a little bit later. Um, and also Matthew, Matthias is another way of saying Matthew, who wrote the gospel, Matthew. And again, that could, the Zacchaeus and Matthew link could make a little bit of sense. Judas used to hold the common purse. Matthew and Zacchaeus were tax collectors, somebody who was comfortable around money. But really, this is just mythology of the early church. There's nothing concrete about what Matthias did anywhere which again makes this an interesting gospel because the last command that Jesus gives says that I have appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So what did Matthias do? We don't know. Could we assume that he bared no fruit or fruit that was not significant and it didn't last? Well, I want to suggest that in fact, Matthias is probably, of all the disciples, the one that we should pay most attention to. Because I think the world that we live in equates, and certainly the world that, um, that Jesus taught in also equated, perhaps it is uh, a human trait uh, that is not divine, that we equate success with notoriety and fame and influence. We equate fruit that will last in having a legacy that we leave behind. That when somebody passes away, their legacy is their influence that continues on and their name lives on. But really, there's not much in Matthias's name other than we know that he was chosen, that lives on. And I think that's perhaps a, a reason why in the early church there was so much different mythology surrounding Matthias because it didn't make sense to them that somebody would be selected and then disappear, or seemingly so. But I think if we actually have a look at this passage that is chosen for Matthias, we might see for us perhaps what Jesus really meant when he called his disciples to love as he loved and to bear fruit. You see, um, Jesus changes their identity in this great commandment from servants to friends. I want you to think about your friendships, not just your casual acquaintances, but your real friendships, the people that have been there for you in some of your 
hardest times and also some of your joyous times? Do they and have they done those things, their presence, to be noticed so that their name will live on, so that people will talk well of them? I think the essence of true friendship is that friends do that without expectation of being noticed. I have spoken to a number of uh, people following uh, the death of their spouse and have asked them what they miss most about the person. And although they all have different language and words to describe it, the overwhelming commonality is that they miss their presence. Even though there's an awareness that their life uh, made an impact and continues to impact and their love still influences, their physical presence, their relational presence is something that they really are struggling to live without. And so we find ourselves in interesting times because we have gone through a season where we have missed the presence of each other, of our friends, our church, our family, those who we thought were closest to us. It's certainly the one thing I think I've found the hardest in leading a church in those times, particularly when there wasn't anybody in the building, is speaking to a camera and not feeling the presence of one another. It strikes me the importance of the selection of Judas replacement was that somebody was chosen who was with Jesus, who'd experienced Jesus' presence from the very beginning through to his ascension. As I think about it more and more, I'm not surprised that Matthias isn't written about in more clear terms. I suspect, and this is only my guess, that he's probably one of the most influential of apostles because others were noticed and not him. He was called because he was with Jesus and he was called to be with others. I have no doubt that he was impactful. I have no doubt that he served. Why do I say that? Because it was probably going to be written about if he didn't. The early church was pretty good at naming those who didn't actually do the right thing. The fact that he seemingly drifted away into obscurity gives us cause to pause about our motivations in our relationships. And our motivations to serve God and God's church. I um, recently finished uh, at my annual uh, report. 
And one of the things I try very hard to do is not to actually name people's names. In part because I know I'm going to miss somebody. <laughs> but also I think that there's a theology of church that is, I think, at the root of what Matthias represents. Is that we are called to be with each other. Not to be named. Not to be noticed. Not to be lauded and applauded. Just to be with. I think if the church is ever going to have the influence in society and culture that some say it used to have, we need to start at that very basic foundation, the presence of friendship. And that comes from an awareness of what Jesus is for us. One of the things I pray most fervently for a person who is at the end of their life is that they might be aware that they are not alone, even if they are in a hospital palliative care room where people are coming in and out and not staying. They'll be aware of the presence of Jesus. I pray that we don't have to wait till the end of our life to be aware of that. That we'd be aware of that day by day. And because we are aware of Jesus' presence, then we are called to be alongside one another. Because the way Jesus loves us is that he never leaves us alone. And the way we're called to love one another is to not be alone and not to leave them alone as church family, as church community, on this feast day of Matthias, my prayer and my encouragement for each one of us is not only that we might love as Jesus loved us, but we might also have the notoriety of Matthias in that it doesn't matter if anybody remembers or notices, but in the moment, we commit to be alongside one another. It's hard because I think one of the things that we crave in life is recognition. But we're called to die to that so that God might be glorified because we're never going to build a church around our own success. We are only ever going to build a church around the love of God lived out in the presence of Jesus Christ and the presence of relationship with each other. Even though there's nothing said of Matthias, I believe what is not written about him has a lot to teach us. Amen.